This is Dr. David Proden, and I want to thank you as we begin another journey into school and community safety. If you're looking for industrial safety expert, Appalachian State University professor, Dr. Timothy Ludwig, please visit www.safety-doc.com. Again, that's Dr. Timothy Ludwig at www.safety-doc.com. Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. David Proden, and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. So today, we are going into a different area of safety, spiritual safety, safety from paranormal experiences. And I have paranormal researcher and author, Ailita Kenley, with me today. Ailita, welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Hi, Dave. Thank you for having me. I, I'm thrilled. I'm a big fan. I've and I've listened to you uh, most recently. Re-listened to an interview that you did with uh, Jim Mallard on his show. Um, and and from that, just to inform um, our listeners, uh, so you are a descendant actually of a someone accused of being a witch at the Salem witch trials. Is that correct? Yeah, Margaret Scott. Um, yeah. She was from Raleigh. A rally is a rolly or rally <laughs> Massachusetts. I'm not from Massachusetts, so yeah. yeah. And then, was, um, oh yeah, yeah. Tell us the tell us that story. Well, she was uh, she was a widow, and she was about seventy five years old. And I'm not sure why she was accused. I know that uh, there's been research done on her by Mike Rice, Mark Rice. And um, he said that they perceived her to be a witch for 20 years before the um, witch trials. And I don't know why all of a sudden 1692 came along and they decided to arrest her too. But they went to clear to rally and they arrested her. And she was accused by two girls of bewitchment. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And, and stuff. But more or less, I think that uh, as the... As in all, almost all the witch trials and stuff, it was something to do with the neighbors, accuse them, and, you know, it was a way to get back um, at the neighbors, and I'm pretty sure that there were some witches in Salem. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, so you shared that mo most of your knowledge is um, folk magic based on courses in parapsychology through the Rhine Institute. So um, tell us about the Rhine Institute and and the courses. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, in that. Well, um, in 2000, 2016, I took uh, a course through the Rhine with uh, parapsychologist Lloyd Arbach. And 
he's almost, he's amazing. I, I like to listen to him any chance I get and stuff. Just the knowledge, the wealth of knowledge that them that man has, I mean, and 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 he's so interesting to listen to the cases that man has done. I mean, things that, uh, well, the human mind is amazing. That's yes. what I, you know, and and the things that, you know, the phenomena and that he encountered and studied and and stuff. Well, it puts basic television paranormal to shame, really, but. You know, because, and these are all, like, cases that they had studied, you know, and had, um, you know, followed scientific methods and stuff. Well, it's really hard because it's spontaneous, ghost phenomena is spontaneous. That means it it just happens. Right. And and it's really kind of hard to set up a lab and have it happen. So, yeah. <laughs> it. it he investigated spontaneous cases, and to listen to um, to uh, his stories and just the knowledge, and and they've tested things, and you know, just like a a person can affect the um, random outcome of a machine. Really? So you wow. know, yeah, you know, um, there was a. Uh, oh, a study done by Helmut. I can't think of his first name, but anyway, he um, basically uh, random outcome of a of a machine and stuff. You know, they yeah. they found out. You know, yeah, absolutely, that a person can affect this. And wow, it's just it's it's amazing. You know, the human mind is amazing, and I think a lot of people's paranormal pro problems are um, basically just the capabilities of the human and they they thinking that a ghost is doing it and it's actually probably somebody um, in the household oh my goodness you know and they don't well poltergeist activity yeah. and stuff their famous case the infield in um, England you know that they, they um, have parapsychologists there and uh, you know, basically, they figured out these teenage girls and stuff. They weren't doing it, but, you know, um, they were doing it, but they weren't physically doing it. They, stuff was moving in the house, and there was, you know, it was, it's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing because, yeah, I, I, I think it, at first we would think it's external. It's coming from, yeah, the, uh, the spirit world and a different dimension, but the fact that, you know, the what we what we have innate to us in in the human mind and i want to come back to that in just a second but before we get in you had a book just released didn't you yeah yeah i wrote a book on uh there was a series of axe murders in 1911 and 1912 and one of the axe murders happened to Villisca, iowa and we handed um, my husband and family and I, we did, as our family trip, we went to Melbourne, Iowa. Okay. And uh, there's a hotel there. And, well, it, it's a hotel-like asylum. It's been there since the late 1800s. And we did an investigation there at Melbourne Manor. And 
I had I'd done some of the history up because I like to know who I'm going to talk to or if I'm going to encounter spirit, I want to know how to address them. And so I always do research. And one of the owners there was named Ralph Piper, and he owned the hotel in the 1940s. And he had two brothers. And one brother lived in Ballisca, Iowa. And the more I got to looking into these guys... The one brother um, also did work and worked with this Senator F.F. F. Jones. Well, this Senator F.F. F. Jones was one of the people that were accused of paying for the murder of J.B. Moore's family. Mm-hmm. And where eight, eight people lost their lives in Villisca, Iowa. They were um, June 10th, 1912. They were all found dead. They were... They were their heads were all bashed in. Oh, my goodness. And um, they thought this F.F. Um, F. Jones paid the paid um, a blacky man's fill to do it and stuff. And the more I looked into this, I'm going, whoa, you know, these brothers could be responsible for this. Because it was just the things that was connected to them. It was like shading. It was just like one after another, like sure. Donimos. And when I went to Melbourne, as as I did, I, I went to, and I asked this Ralph Piper. And I says, you know, Ralph Piper, did your brothers kill J.B. Moore, family, and Felisca? And I got a yes. On an EVP. So I'm like, you know, so I thought, you know, kind of as a project, I would see if they really could. And like, and even more, I checked into it. Things just kind of like Donimos fell, you know, this man lived like a mile out of town. He bought this house for like a certain amount of time. And after the murders, he basically burns down the house and it was just, it was just kept going and going and going. And then I, more I followed his brother, um, his brother all of a sudden, every place his brother was on the, like he was brother went to the West coast. People started dying in the West coast. <laughs> oh and, they, and I'm like, Whoa, this man is the, is the ax murder. He's the actual trained ax murder guy. And I was like, and and I was finding people he was connected to in the town, and then the you know it was it just the more it went, the more wilder it got, and I'm like I cannot believe that a ghost told me this. And I was more fascinated not with figuring out who murdered these people. I was more fascinated that hey wow you know we really I really got a message, and it was a real, and it and. Was I was just kind of shocked about that. This, like, was somebody no, no. convicted? Or no, no. This nobody was, never, was ever never, convicted okay. of it. So, so why do you think? Why, why do you think you would be told this? Why would? Why would the spirit share this? Is it more like? Just, just, okay, now this even gets weirder. Okay. His uh, um, these two brothers had a had a falling out, so bad that they would never speak to each other ever again. And and the more I tried to fear find out about this and stuff, I kind of got like stumped by the city council because there was like he, he, this guy he almost got kicked off the city council of this one town because of something to do with his brother's wife and and I'm like wow. you know well see he assaulted women too it was it was the wildest you'll have to read it 
Okay. That's all yeah. I have to say. So what is what's the title? To pay the piper. To pay the piper. So. Yeah, and it's about the Piper Brothers. They were auctioneers in um, Iowa. Okay. Oh wow, wow. Um, yes, I definitely have it down. Um, so, Elita, a question I have is okay. So, paranormal awareness, and, and you've talked about it early in the show already. That you know, the the human mind is amazing, and and what we are consciously aware of, maybe our capabilities, um, is only a fraction of of what the the mind can do and what the brain can do. Um, so let me, let me ask, I mean, right away, how do we become more, I, I guess, aware of either, you know, the paranormal, the spiritual, or if uh, we're in an environment where someone else is, is projecting brain, um, I, I guess, activity or, or something that's trying to, or that would have an adverse effect on us. I mean, what are the warning signs? And I, I'm saying that because in general, people's situational awareness to just, you know, just crossing a road, uh, you know, looking both ways and things that, you know, that are very, very overt, that that's diminishing. Documentation shows that there's so much more stimuli in the environment today than there was 100 years ago, 200 years ago. Um, and I had shared with you uh, before the show, I read a study that even uh, birds are, have, that around uh, major cities have modified their mating calls. They've gone to higher tones to go above the ambient noise of the cities. So I'm wondering, um, as, as like I go through my day, what could you advise me of here, David, here's some things you really should be aware of. And, and here's how to be aware of them because I, I'm not, I'm, I'm probably um, encountering things that I'm, I'm, I'm just not, uh, I, I guess like the uh, antennas aren't turned on or whatever. I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but um, I'm, and, and I do have an experience I, I'll, I'll share, but help me out with that, with that. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. Well, when people tell me they have a haunting or they think a witch has hexed them or, you know, or, or, or they've ran across something bad, the first thing I, we, we go through, like, I go through, like, a checklist with them and stuff. I, I ask, as in, like, if the witch thing, I said, do you know someone who would, uh, who practices magic or, or, 
or do you know which? And, and you know, I, I asked that to him, and I said, do you have evidence that you or your family are victims of curses or anything? Do, I mean, And when I say evidence, I mean, um, has anybody gave you a handmade talisman? Has, uh, you know, or put notes in your, like, Bibles, or there's different things um, given anything to you that, you know, you're kind of suspicious of. Are your symptoms explainable by a physician or other professionals? Or, like, if you've seen a psychiatrist, how is your general health? What kind of medications are you taking? What what are you right. experiencing? Are you experiencing cold spots? Do you feel like you're being watched? Unexplained shadows, things moving or disappearing, or electronics in your house acting up. You know, there's a whole host of things you need to ask. You know, before even before you even say this is paranormal or somebody has. Uh, text you or something, uh, like you were saying about electronics and stuff, infrasound, cars and diesel and different things produce infrasound and infrasound, uh, it travels like real low to the ground and it can go for a long distance. Right. And, uh, there's a lot of different things, like medications, like medications even for blood pressure medication, medications for uh, psychiatrical things. I'm trying to think of them all here. Parkinson disease, you know, uh, right. there's a lot of different medications. Oh, even um, sleeping medications, Ambien, and Lexapro is for psychiatrical, but and depression and stuff, these all can produce hallucinations, voices, you know. And sometimes people then also get caught between that sleep and awake state, and and, yeah. and then they, what they're perceiving during that time um, can be interpreted as as paranormal or super supernatural, spiritual. Um, and, and we talked about this too. You said this in your interview with uh, Jim Mallard. You talked about how people can manifest their fears, and and meaning um, you, you kind of you had a context around this, which I really liked. And it was, what do we see on? Well, first of all, there's so many TV shows now with with different ghosts investigating, and a lot of these are very sensationalized. So you know, of course, it's it's the drama, and then it's a cut to a commercial and things, but. Everybody investigates at night <laughs> to add to the drama. And, and you had said, you know, why investigate at night? What's different at night versus the day? Um, so if you're, if, you know, someone takes you on, you know, if you, if you buy tickets for the haunted boat ride or the <laughs> uh, haunted downtown tour, well, you know, you're already predisposed to expect that something is going to happen that's going to be unusual. It's going to be more along the lines of being perceived as haunted or something like that. So um, tell me uh, tell me about how much of that do you think is, is going on? And, and especially, I mean, for my, my oldest daughter, I mean, she loves um, ghost adventures with, with Zach 
Vega and just this, it, and you know, so I'm watching the show and I, 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 I do like the history and I like, I, I like parts of the show, but again, you know, it's always, there's a, something that's dramatic that's going to happen. And then there's a cut to a commercial. So it, you know, what is, what is research versus what is, what is entertainment, you know, those lines, but then I think those things stick with people, uh, when it gets to be dark at night and the winds start to howl and stuff like that. So I, I, help me understand what are you, are people coming to you more today because this has just become more mainstream, like on, on TV channels and stuff like that. And, or is that not happening? I did notice, you know, when, uh, our team and stuff. It was like people, I belong to a paranormal team, um, Synergy Paranormal from Harvard, Nebraska. Okay. And I did notice that people would ask us to come investigate their house and they would want to invite their friends and everything else, you know, and go along with us. And it's like, you know, wow, we can't do this, (laughs) you know, because, you know, (laughs) it's like, they, they they wanted to have a paranormal show in their house yeah, and stuff. And it, that's kind of hard, you know, to pick and choose the cases because people don't understand that it's a lot, a lot of work goes into a paranormal case and we do this for free. We're there to help you. Right. Well, you know, and, and not really entertain you. You know, we want to help you with your problem. We want to know what's going on. You know, I mean, there could be something really serious in your house. If your, you know, gas water heater is leaking gas or radon gas or something, this stuff, it can kill you. Right. Right. And it also can, you know, cause symptoms of the paranormal. And electromagnetic interference. I mean, there's a lot of things we go and we check out and stuff and, and, I was with two ladies there with the most awesome ghost communicators. I mean, they, they're nice, calm, they have a good energy, and they would be the best ghost communicators. But when you sit there and you pile all these people in a room, you can't do EVP work at all. I mean, there's sure. too many people around. Sure. And... Uh, you mix all these energies of people too, and it makes it really hard and stuff. I never want to kick the family out. The family has the right to be there, and they're part of, you know, the phenomenon. Or if there is any, might be directed around the family. But it was like when they would start to bring everybody and stuff, and it made it kind of hard. And I don't think they realize the work we go into, and if when we do it for free, even you know. So- so you went through the the checklist i'm gonna i'm gonna bring back to um when you research the history of a location um what are sources that you go to and i guess what what do you what are you looking for well well what i do usually is i i like to know who the past owners of the house and i look for um people that had an emotional connection to the house uh, and I look at their stories. Um, sometimes I look on Ancestry.com. I look at military records on Fold3. Okay. Uh, the Latter-day Saints has really awesome sites. In fact, I don't think there's any better genealogists than the Mormons. Oh, wow. Okay. And 
Yeah, they keep records on everybody. They're they're probably better than the CIA, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. But um, yeah, uh, I use all these resources and I try to figure out the find out about the person. Find out did they lose a family member in the house? How long did they live at the house? Did they build the house? Yeah. Did something happen at the house? I look at old newspaper clippings okay. and I mean, I really, I really, sometimes I think I get obsessed. Well, I know I do, but I, I like that part of history. I like to find out. I want to find out what's going on. Um, you know, th- there's people from different parts, in Nebraska especially, there's people from Germany, Sweden, Ireland. Right. Um, we have their African Americans come here. Native Americans lived here. This was their home for thousands of years, and and well, all these people brought different customs with them, you know, and different maybe religious practices, different folk magic. Um, so, you know, just like the Irish, it was it was it was not uncommon for them to bury a horse head in, in the doorway uh russians used to bury uh, used not bury but they'd put a doll in the wall and they would invoke a house fairy uh yeah, yeah okay I've, I've, you I've know heard about that yeah and and germans did the same thing we had, we had german people here that practiced powwow which is a magical practice it's like christian um Christianity and folk magic and stuff, and I had a case here where the people in the people that lived there had played had practiced powwow, and it was it was quite interesting. <laughs> so describe folk magic because I haven't heard that term before. Folk magic, yeah. Folk magic is um, it's a, it, it really covers a wide range. It was. You know, it came over, you know, with the pilgrims and probably some of the, um, well, English were called cunning folk and uh, is folk magic. And it came over with the pilgrims and stuff. And then you had the folk magic with the Native American. They have their folk magic. And then you had the African-American and, and, and this all like kind of combined um, into hoodoo magic which is a mixture of African-American, English, and Native American. It's a, hoodoo is actually American magic. Okay. That's what I would call it. And uh, the powwow came over from Germany and Pennsylvania Dutch, the big old hex signs on the barns and stuff. Right. That's folk magic. Okay. You, actually, you've probably practiced folk magic. Have you ever blew out candles on a... Cake and we made wish. I have. I have. Last candle magic. I have a birthday a week uh, after well, Halloween. You, well, there after. you go. You're going to practice candle magic. You're going to make a wish and blow out the candles. Okay. I didn't know that. That's amazing. <laughs> so, you, you, okay. we practice a, a lot of different folk magic. People hang horseshoes over their doors, you know, yeah, for okay. luck. That's folk magic. All right. Now, I mean, now, now it's, now I've got it. Yeah. I, um, so, I lead a, somebody contacts you and they say, you know what? Um, I, something's not 
right. Um, I've either, yeah, am am perceiving shadows, um, things moving. I believe I've, I've heard voices or, or whatever, but they're saying, you know, I, um, something's not right. Can you, can you come in and, 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 you know, go through the process. So I'm going to bring, bring us back to what are things like, okay, so I'm very scientific. Um, I'm very empirical, you know, um, and that's part of the PhD process. But with that, I'm also, um, I I think, very educated and open to the fact that um, there is much more to the world and to existence than what a machine can measure. And even what um, our traditional senses, which we would identify as sight, sound, um, you know, touch and, and things like that. But there's, there are, there's much more, you know, like, for example, we know infrared is out there and, and there's all a string theory that there's multiple dimensions. And so I think these things will become more self-apparent, um, in time, but, um, what are, what are things right now? Like, just if you were to advise me, say, Dave, here's some things like you should look for. And you did mention like, if people are giving you something, but what would you say, like, to say it, what what are things during my day or like in my house or in my routine and or just that should start to throw up some red flags that I should be like yeah something's not right here and it's probably beyond something that is um you know such as coming down with an illness or a medication or something like that that okay if you went through the whole checklist and stuff of things that could be wrong or explanation stuff, and you still have things going crazy like doors opening and stuff. Yeah, let's let, let's say, um, yeah, that's something. Let, let's say I, I'm contacting you and I'm saying, you know what? During the night, I've got I've got um, fire. The fire alarm downstairs is sounds, and I when I walk down to the bottom of the stairs, it stops. And then um, I can hear doors open and close, and I go, and doors are closed downstairs. It really, there's no wind or anything like that. Um, and so if I'm sharing things like that, I guess what follow-up questions would you say? Like, well, what what else? Are you also encountering what? Like, what, what would be things that would probably go with that? Well... Usually when you have, like, doors opening and closing, you hear footsteps and stuff. Okay. Uh, I would ask them, have you had a relative that's passed recently? Um, you know, because if this all of a sudden happens, and that's that's one thing, I'd ask them if you've gone to any funerals recently. Have you been to a cemetery recently? Okay. And stuff. Believe it or not, they do... You do encounter that, and uh, well, I gonna, would. Yeah, go, yeah. Go I would. I was just trying to think. You know, there's other things to. Um, have you? Has any? Have you heard anything? Has have you heard any voices, or and stuff? And then I would say, okay, we'll bring like. Well, them two ladies that I used to work with, Chris and Sue, uh, I would say bring them in especially and see if they could get anything that's in the house to talk. Because if there's anything in the house to talk, they don't talk to them. 
I've heard the most amazing evidence with them. And um, are they? Is it that what's in the house is communicating directly to them, or is it communicating via EVP? Like they're asking questions, and then later they can play back and they can actually hear the response. What's what's happening? Well, Sue, I like to call her. I am her and her sister Chris. They they just I don't know. They're really good at they're really good at talking to ghosts um they had just have that niche and sue if she can use a ghost box and i've heard the most amazing evidence come out of it but if i use it it's just gibberish okay if she uses it i mean they just tell her name and stuff i've heard i've turned on that ghost box and it says where's sue where's sue (laughs) You know, no, it, it is here today. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't want to talk it to me. It just wants to talk to Sue. Yes. And it, it, I'm not kidding. It's just amazing. And I've gotten, we've gotten full names. I mean, they just spit out their full name, and, and which, which was really relevant to their to the place, the investigation. And I, I thought that was amazing, but. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things we can do. I'm in stuff. We can come in and we can check this out. And so, what are, what are some of the some of the things that people should probably never do? Uh, and I'm gonna, you know, for example, um, someone decides that they're going to use a, a Ouija board. They're going to conduct their own séance. I mean, that and what can happen if somebody tries to address this without? really knowing what they're getting into like what have you seen like the worst case where someone has gotten in way over their head in trying to handle handle this with on their own you know that they've they've opened up for example i don't know if it'd be a portal or or and um and then they've made things 10 times worse how does that happen well we for when um as far as I know, Ouija boards are just we. They're just it's just a game board. Okay. I don't. I don't personally think they open up portals and stuff. But what I will say is that you're focusing your intent on talking to a spirit. Whether you're using a Ouija board, whether you're using a ghost box, whether you're just trying to get EVPs or using tarot cards, you're focusing your attempt to talk to ghosts. Now, we were talking about dimensions and astrophysics. What if people open up dimensions in their own brain? You know, right, right, and maybe the that's how they're communicating with whatever, and maybe some things of them, some things come through that aren't too nice. Okay, and I don't think it has anything to do with that piece of cardboard or board you're working on. I think it has to do with the person doing it and stuff. I, like, I kind of you know. I read about like exorcisms and stuff because I was kind of interesting, you know, yeah. in, in that and a lot of them people that end up possessed are deeply religious. That means they pray, they pray and, and maybe they're opening up that area in their brain when they're praying. And just the same as they're trying to, to talk to the spirit because they, they've pretty much proved that, it's an idiometer. I think I'm saying that word right. It, response that moves that moves the planchet on the board, 
and table tipping and stuff. Right. And it, it's 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 your brain. It it's automatic muscular movement that takes place without being you know you're not conscious of it. You know, it, it, you're just you're doing it. So I don't think the Ouija board has anything to do with with opening up a porthole and stuff. Now, I think that a person may be able to do it in their own brain. Yeah, what if but, somebody somebody, you know, um, you know, sits sits in their living room and starts to, you know, try to to ask questions and and or or to become challenging um I guess what's been one of the worst case scenarios you've seen where someone has has done things that they shouldn't have done and then they've made it worse. Done things they shouldn't have done and well like one is probably not to taunt the spirit or to threaten it or, <laughs> or yeah, maybe that works. Well, I don't know. I mean well, how does how does that happen because it seems like you have a very respectful way and a conversational way um, of approaching, you know, uh, a, a spirit, but yet what if somebody just comes out and they just, they're yelling and out of my house and, you know, you're not welcome here. And, um, I guess has, has anything like that happened where you've been like, Oh no, like don't, <laughs> whatever you do, like, don't do this again, because this is, this is a horrible approach. Like, and it's also not safe, you know, for you to do this. Well, one time I went, I well, before I had belonged to a paranormal group, I had went to the cemetery and stuff, and I had invited um, a group that I'd found online, and I'm like, you got to come to the cemetery, it's haunted, and it's one of the stories in my other book, uh, it was Spring Ranch Cemetery, and so this, this team comes down and he brings a couple Native Americans with him because that's what I kind of suspected was at the cemetery was Native American um, spirits and well they weren't really interested in um, ghost hunting they decided to drink and urinate on the graves oh my goodness <laughs> and they, they were urinating all over the Civil War veteran graves and stuff. And I don't know. I felt very, very wrong about that. I, you know, and it bothered me for a while. And even when the 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 after, I I don't think I went back to that cemetery for a couple of years. But when I went back, I apologized and stuff and everything. But I, that is something like, don't go, don't go teasing spirits and stuff and yelling and screaming at them and everything. These were people once that had hopes, dreams, families. Uh, and, you know, uh, a person that is not nice in life is probably going to retain part of that personality after they pass away, if they are still around. Right. If that is the case, and um, I don't think probably you should irritate them or, uh, I don't know. I would just leave them alone, and I just, I, I guess I don't even know how to say that. It just mortifies me when I hear people, 
you know, yelling, get out of my house, you demons, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, whoa, you know, because so what, these what, Yeah, so what's happened in some of those cases? I mean, because I, I, I'm, I'm guessing in some in some cases, it's just manifested more response from the spirit. Or if it's disrespectful, as you said, I mean, purely, um, you know, going and desecrating a graveyard, you're just inviting... <laughs> Well, trouble, negative so. negative people are going to draw negative energies, and yeah. they're going to draw these lower-level negative energies and stuff, you know, because I, I do believe in the spirit world. I, I mean, I say a lot of scientific stuff, but there's a lot of things you got to check out on about a haunting before you say, this place is haunted, or there's a ghost moving around or or something like and and everything, but... I believe in these energies. I believe in earth and earth energies, elementals and stuff. And these energies have never been human. Right. They, they, you know, and stuff. And let's say uh, you have people met magic practitioners. I, it doesn't even matter what kind. And they're conjuring up these earth energies and stuff. And they're doing some kind of spell with them or whatever and stuff. And they don't. They don't dispel them. They just leave them. And these things grow, they grow mad after a while. I think Lip Castle is one example in Ireland. It has some kind of elemental in there. It's never been human, but it's been there for hundreds of years. And yes. it doesn't like people, you know. And So do you say it doesn't, it doesn't like people? So. Um, so let's say I'm there. How am I going to get the vibe that, you know, I'm not liked and my presence isn't welcome there? What, what am I going to pick up on? Well, I think humans like animals got a, what is it, a fight or flight response? Right. You just, you kind of just know, you know, something, something is not right. When I when I feel something's not right and stuff, I kind of get this tense feeling, and it's almost like uh, your whole every everything about you starts vibrating and chills. And I've had headaches, and I've gotten sick to my stomach, so I know something. Okay, something is a little weird here. And then, you know, I've had I've had that happen, and then walk outside, and it compl- the symptoms completely go away you know and if there's no like gas leak or emf bleeds or anything like that going on something's going on and like i said you have to really check this out and i'm trying to think how to say it uh well let me let me give you let me give you an account and 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 maybe this will will be a springboard um so you had mentioned you know places that you a person goes um that Mm -hmm. can bring forward and one was cemetery and and before that you also mentioned if someone had passed that they knew um and all of a sudden you know things start start happening um you know maybe that there's a there's a cause and effect there but um so i was um I was biking, and I when I'm done, I, it was a long bike ride. It was out probably six, seven hours. And when I came back, um, this was early, this was in June. 
I biked through a um, cemetery out, out on the edge of town, uh, but it's one of the original cemeteries, and I live in um, the third oldest town in Wisconsin, and um, which was this and very close to I, I'm, I live within 15 miles of um, a man mound. It's one of two man effigy mounds still in existence in the United States and several mounds in the Wisconsin Dells area um, that I actually bike right past. So um, it's in the Winnebago Indians um, settled right where I live, actually, like in my (laughs) residential section of town. um, This is uh, the Indian Hills subdivision. And this is actually where on the the maps, the encampment was like literally where my house is. And then there was, is the Indian Agency House built in 1812 and then Fort Winnebago in 1824, which there's only one building left, which is, you know, as the crow flies, about a mile and a half from my house. So, um, and the Black Hawk War, you know, was was very close to here. Um, So anyway, just to kind of frame out that the cemetery is very, has, has gravestones, going back, you know, to the 1850s. And um, I'm, I'm going through the, this, this cemetery, and it's all, you know, curvy roads and stuff like that because it wasn't laid out in any type of sensical, you know, format back then. And it just expanded over time. It's still, you know, to this day, there, there are still burials there. Um, but to I'm going through one portion of the cemetery, and this is a, a sunny afternoon, <laughs> and... Um, instantly in an instant um it seemed like things i like i entered a dark fog um and i didn't hear anything but i felt just completely sick like i was going to be sick to my stomach like i had lost all energy and i'm feeling great like this just hits me and um in my mind i don't i don't hear anything auditorily but in my mind i i hear or i'm processing um leave like not get out not a get out but leave here um and i think i verbalized yes yeah i've got it and i kept biking and about a minute later i was out of the cemetery felt great everything's back to normal and um I, I kind of just tried to process and it was an older part that I was going through. I didn't see anything. I didn't, but it was, um, you know, outside of, like I said, this, this kind of darkening effect. And it was, it was what strikes me most. I lead out of that was the fact that it was like, there was this, this voice that I heard, but I didn't hear it through my ears. It was in turn. It was in my head and it was very clear, like leave here, or leave this area it was one of those two and i just immediately was like yes <laughs> i i will and i wasn't being disrespectful i was i was you know very appropriately you know just just coming through the the cemetery on the the paved path um but uh that was i i wouldn't say it frightened me but it was like a clear directive like if someone says to you <laughs> do this and you're like yes and um that's exactly how it was. Um, I've never gone back, by the way, so I just don't. I, I, I think I mean I took that as a perpetual um, directive of. So I, I don't. I don't know. 
So as I'm telling you that, um, and I would say I wasn't, you know, I came out of that. I wasn't dehydrated. I wasn't, I wasn't going through anything rigorous. I mean, it was just a, um, what would, what would be some follow-up questions you'd have for me or what might that have been? And then also like, is, (laughs) does something like that stick with you afterwards or was I, what, I'm trying. I'm trying to understand it. I, I still. I, I'm. It, it's rolling around in my mind. I don't know what to, what to do with that. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now... Back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. I would say that that wasn't malicious. I would say that was like a guardian angel. Somebody was telling you to leave. It's not get out or anything. They just told you to leave. And they wanted you to leave. And... I've had similar similar things happen. I don't always hear things from the ears. It's a mental image. It, mediums, you, they it's a mental image. They talk. It's a mental thing. So people that experience this, it's you you obviously have some some sensibilities or some abilities, you know, because that's. People that see ghosts, hear ghosts, um, it's, it's all what they call psi. Okay. A- and I, you you really need to have Lloyd Arbach on one day and stuff and have him explain all this to you. But um, So you've had that happen to you, though. I mean, it's, oh, and, yeah. And what you're describing, and, and I wasn't, I mean, outside of being in a cemetery, but I didn't feel anything as I went in there. Again, it was a sunny day. I was feeling good. And I went in there because um, it was a good way physically for me to wind down the ride because I knew, you know, the, the, the road, the path going through there, the paved path was curving and up and down and things like that. And I had it in a low gear and I was, and actually, I mean, I was very respectful. I appreciate the designs on a lot of the, the gravestones. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but, yeah, it it was. Um, so as I got to that point when that happened, I wasn't at all. I would say like predisposed. There, there was nothing at that point which would have um, made me think that something was going to happen. And then when it happened, um, I like I said, it, it caught me completely off guard. And I would say. It it was both. I mean, it wasn't like a, a get out like it, but it but it was also very 
It was telling you to leave. It was very direct. There was some reason, yeah, there was some reason, and it wanted you to leave, and it wanted you to leave now. I've had the same thing happen. Um, I've gone into places, and I've had to to leave, because you just have to leave, or, I mean, you just have to go, and... So what you're it's saying, nothing. It's okay. nothing new. That if you've re- ever read the Bible, the same. I mean, you, you know, God talked to Abraham. God talked to these people, you know, and stuff. It did. God didn't just sit there and say He talked to them in their head, you know. So maybe it wow. was God telling you to go. You know, you, you never know. So what you I know? what I never thought until. You know, we've talked right now. Um, I always perceive that as being a neg- negative. You know that that was more of a warning. But um, you know, you're you're pointing out that no, it maybe you know it probably wasn't. Um, no, it was probably a warning. Maybe something bad was going to happen. Maybe. How do you know that you didn't leave and a tree branch fell down right in that spot after you left? Yeah. I bet I mean, there might have been a reason. But what do you think it stops people from all of a sudden they're about ready to get on that plane and all of a sudden they get a voice telling them, no, don't go, don't get on that plane. And so they don't get on that plane. They find out the plane crashes right after they leave. Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't have. You know, I mean, I mean it's, yeah. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. I've had I've had things tell me, don't go, don't go, you know, and and things have happened to them people and stuff. I so I've walked me- up to I've walked up to a, a investigation and and had to tell the rest of the group I have to go home. I can't do this investigation. This can't. Okay. You know, you know, uh, something tell me no. Something and. Yeah, I've had that happen. I've had the same thing happen that you say, you know, that things just get all weird and you, you know, something tells you. So, you know, it's your gift to sigh. Everybody is capable of this some way or some sal. You know, people that practice magic, they meditate and stuff and, and, you know, they communicate with their higher being or higher self and stuff. Every religion, people, you know, Hindus and stuff. Right. I mean, they, whatever is telling them, it, it might be just their higher, you know, I don't know how you would call it, deity or uh, who you look up to or spiritually or even the earth. I don't know. I don't know who it is that talks to you, but I've had it happen to me too. So how do you, um, so like, this is something I wasn't expecting. And I, I I would say, again, I wasn't at all trying to, to manifest it because again, I'm, I'm for the most part, I mean, very, um, my, my studies are all in science, based. In, in science, in science. Yeah. And, um, but as I'm looking at this, I'm, I'm wondering, okay, if I was capable of that and, and I'm going to give you another time that something, um, happened, which I, which I definitely think was, was correlational. Um, but, um, how do, if, if somebody says, 
I've, I'm, I'm able to do this, or this is starting to happen, or I'm starting to be able to identify some things. How do you get better at that? Like, how do you, um, cause I mean, I'm going to be 47 in a couple of weeks and this is something I don't ever really recall as being younger, but maybe it's something that is, um, an awareness that I'm gaining a little older in life. I, I don't know, but like, what would be your advice to me of like how to, okay, if this happened once or it happened twice, how do you get in tune to make it so you can connect to this more often? Oh, well, a lot of people um, practice meditation and stuff. Um, I I don't know if I practice meditation as much as I, I end up falling asleep. I'm really yeah. bad at it <laughs> and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, um, a lot of people find their self in the Bible, uh, their, their religion or their spirituality, um, there's a lot of things, I mean, there, I, I hate to say dwell on stuff, you know, because the same thing that we were talking about earlier, you know, you you dwell on this stuff and everything, and what you know, just so you don't dwell on thinking, okay, you know, I want to contact Zozo and stuff, and then I'm pretty soon you have Zozo. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, because I'm looking at this, I'm saying, well, obviously, I mean, you could go back to the location, but then if you're doing that, then you're kind of expecting it and you're surrounding yourself, you know, in a yeah. cemetery versus, um, so I'm, I'm going to give you, give you another example of something, um, that I encountered and this was about 10 years ago. Um, so I talked earlier about, I was a, or we have this, um, remnants of Fort Winnebago, um, which was basically a fort that was placed here in Portage, Wisconsin, um, in, in 1824, um, to, in case there was a, a revolt by the Winnebago or Chippewa or the Indians in, in this area. And um, that actually the, the Black Hawk War happened um, kind of throughout here down to the La Crosse Prairie du Chien area. Um, but nothing in this immediate area, there weren't any conflicts. Actually, again, there was an Indian agency house where it was more like an exchange of goods between the the government um, and and the the tribes that lived in this region, but there's one there's one structure built in 1824, um, and it might have actually been built before that. It might have been in 1818 by um, traders, and but they do know in 1824 that this structure and it still exists today, and um, it was the its surgeons' quarters. So next to it was a hospital, and the hospital of course served the the fort, and it also served um, Native Americans and just the the population, the farmers, I mean, of, of the area. So we're talking about roughly from 1824 to maybe like 1840. Um, and I volunteered to be a guide uh, at the at this surgeon's quarters. So I got trained and, and again, a volunteer guide, completely unpaid, because I, I loved the history and we were kind of new to the area. Um, and I, I remember, um, one very specific day that, um, so what, something I asked is I said, some, some of the building was in disrepair and I said, 
I'm willing, and I think I'm, I have the skills to remedy some of these things like the fence and the well and, um, you know, the, the shutters and some of these other things. Like I can, I can do this and I, I can address these things and address it in a way that's going to be using tools of the era and things like that. And actually my dad helped me <laughs> with that. We had built, we rebuilt a 200 foot split rail fence by hand um, with logs. Um, it was phenomenal to, to do that. And, um, but I, I had started, um, so they gave me permission and, you know, it's a historical site, but also it's, it's, there's not really much funding for it. So it's kind of one of these things of once they got to know me and trust me, um, that, you know, I'm not going to destroy a, this <laughs> 1824, you know, relic yeah. of the city. And, um, so I had started to work on the the fence in front of the the structure, and as I was I, as I was going up like the second day to work on it, I'm the only one out there at this time. It's like it's a day that it's closed, like Sunday or something like that. Um, and I I park my car in the parking lot. I walk up, and as soon as I get to the fence where I'm about to begin working the alarm sounds on my car and the lights are flashing, you know, with the alarm and, and the car is facing me. And I'm like, that's never happened before, like ever, ever happened before. So I'm like, I'm, you know, with nothing is working with my fob. And so I, I go down to the car stops. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, I don't have to touch the car, anything. I walk back up and the same thing happens. And as soon as I commence the activity that I'm doing, so I can literally look down a hundred feet and this starts again and there's nothing down there. There's no wind, there's nothing. And again, this is, it's probably the only time it's ever happened on the vehicle in, you know, the six, seven years that I owned it. And then the, by the third time I just stopped when I was up there and I think I just said out loud, I'm helping. Like I'm, I'm, I'm respecting, I'm helping, I am going to do a good job. And, um, it stopped. And, um, you know, when I had rebuilt that fence and rebuilt the, the well and, you know, and I'm digging and I'm finding, you know, um, bones and I'm not finding human bones. I'm finding like, um, bones of, you know, animal bones. And I'm yeah. assuming that the family that lived there at the surgeon's course, but also, you know, I'm thinking the hospital was, was like within 10 feet of me where the, the structure was, that was no longer there, but the, what that, what happened in that hospital had to be just horrific back in that age from, you know, whether it be diphtheria or whether it be, um, you know, amputations and things like that. I mean, just, um, but once I felt, um, once I said that I, it was almost like, I'm saying you can trust me. Like I'm, I have, I'm, I'm, there's nothing I'm going to intentionally do like to, I'm, I'm, it was almost like I felt welcomed. Um, you did exactly the right thing. The exact okay. right thing. That okay. is, you know, if people, you know, I always tell them, just, just tell them, say, this is my home. You know, I live here now, you know, you you you're welcome to stay here or you're you're if you behave yourself or just leave or leave take back your home tell me me no no harm 
and stuff, uh, you know, obviously trying to talk to you, but you did the exact right thing. And I'm, I'm right. You have a gift to say that you okay. did. You, it's your gift. And a I, lot of times that's all spirits want to, is to be acknowledged, you know, like, Hey, you know, I'm dead, but I'm still here. And you're in my house, by the way, <laughs> you know, and stuff. Um, like here at the house here, I, there's a lady here, and um, she died in 2005. She died of a heart attack. And I, I actually looked her up and stuff, and she doesn't ever bother me. I've had, I've had a couple of weird things. Um, I caught an EVP. I caught the craziest thing ever. I was going through evidence and stuff, and I just took my iPhone, and uh, I videotaped it off the evidence that I was going to, because I just was going to send it to Chris over Facebook. And so I took my iPhone, I videotaped my laptop and stuff, and I, I don't even listen to it afterwards. I just send it to Chris, and Chris, oh, that was really cool. I heard that girl say that, and I said, what girl? Oh, my goodness. Well, the, and so my iPhone caught an EVP of this girl saying, you're scaring me. Oh. How in the heck are you scaring a ghost? <laughs> and I don't know if you know um, Kate Ward's friend, Brian Anderson. He does all things. I had him analyze this and stuff, and it wasn't physically voiced. He put it on his machine, and he went through it, and uh, whatever it's saying, you're scaring me, and it's like you can hear it just plain as day it um it's not physically voiced and it's in my house <laughs> i what? i just thought you know i said well that's got to be that lady you know i i don't i i never even thought about that you know her she's never spoke before i've never heard her speak i have chimes in my house they've never rang and stuff i i just know she's there is all and I just thought that was the craziest thing ever, that, that you're scaring me. How in the hell are you scared ghosts looking at ghost evidence? Right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and stuff. It's, it's wild. So, especially, okay, let's talk about Nebraska. Um, you know, we have just more development happening. Um, one, one of the things, for example, where, where I live, um, it was very common. My neighbor's 92. And he lived here his entire life. And when we moved in, um, you know, we had a lot of conversations just, you know, on the porch and stuff like that. And he, and he said that when the city started to expand out, like in the 1950s and 60s, he said it was very common for people to, you know, add on to their house and dig up, you know, uh, some bodies that were buried um, because, of you know, this was a site of trade um, It is the... Only, they call it Portage because it, it, you could have gone from the Fox River out to the Atlantic, and then you could go onto the Wisconsin all the way to the Gulf of Mexico. So this was a trade route um, for over 10,000 years. They have artifacts to prove back to that. Um, but he was saying, yeah, this was very common like throughout the city, and it wasn't really a big deal. I mean, he said, you could look back in newspapers and find someone added a garage and, you know, they uncovered four burials. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I didn't, I didn't realize that. But, um, is this, is this something 
So, okay, we were out in um, South Dakota this summer on vacation, and we were in Mitchell, South Dakota. We were stopping. And one of the things at Mitchell is they were discovering a lot of uh, burial sites. And um, they they do have actually a museum now. But, I mean, th- this is more recent stuff that they're they're finding as the city expands and they're changing like you know they're damming water or they're lowering waterways and stuff and um are you are you also seeing that because people are building out that they're disturbing sites and and things are happening that uh, oh yeah okay so so tell me tell me about that well palmer nebraska is um in howard county and it's in the central part of the state, and it's right there on the Loop River. Well, this was home to the Pawnee Indian, and there was a specific tribe called the Skitty Pawnee. Well, they practiced human sacrifice, and they, I think the last one was in 1840 that they know of, and it was of a Lakota girl. But anyway, um, the town of Palmer got built there, and in, I don't know, it must have been... Uh, late 1800s and stuff they discovered i don't know hundreds of like relics and stuff and burial sites around there well the farmers just dug them up and they they mass buried some of them some of them ended up in museums some of them were sold and traded and stuff and yeah, well, we've done an investigation there and stuff, and that exactly was the problem. They were they were hearing drums, they were okay. feeling nervous and and stuff, and uh, it was yeah, that can cause a haunting. And there's another one, um, Colbert Colbertson, Nebraska. They moved like three cemeteries in that town and stuff, and. Right. Right. I, as far as I'm concerned, that's one of the most haunted towns in Nebraska. It, it's all over the town. Um, one of the stories was that um, we had went to do it, an investigation there, and the lady's granddaughter, she was probably about six years old. She came out there and she goes, you know, this witch lady comes up out of the ground, points at me, and then goes right back in the ground. Oh my goodness! And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, she could. She called her a witch lady, and stuff. And um, her mom come out there, and I said, she's telling me she's seen it. She says I hear it all the time. She says she sees this lady come up out of the ground, point at her, and then go back on the ground. And then, then we also had this um, mentally handicapped man who we actually found very credible and stuff because he had no reason to really lie to us. He told us that he had went to a birthday party and at this house, it was the house that we were investigating, and this man took him for a walk. The man got in him and took him for a walk. And we're like, what? Uh, Well, I... The way he made it sound is that this man just basically took him over and then took him for a walk of the town and left him across town, almost like driving a car. And I just thought that was the craziest story that I'd ever heard and stuff. And he was real adamant. He was like, I don't want that to happen again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, I guess the, the, the terms jumped. You know, that okay. when a spirit, like, jumps a human, I've never had it happen. 
you know, but I've heard, you know, people talk about yeah. this. And this was the first time that I'd really experienced, you know, this this mentally handicapped guy. He was just telling us all about it. And he was like, you know, you got to get rid of this guy and you got to do this and you got to do that. And we're like, oh, okay, <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> so, Alita, something I see on, on TV portrayed a lot is as uh, someone will say, I felt a burning sensation and then I lifted up my shirt and then there were claw marks, you know, down my back and, and stuff like that. And that seems to be a, a common theme on the TV shows of people saying felt a pain and then there was this visible, yeah, deep scratch or something like that. And um, ha- have you ever encountered that? Anyone told you that? Yep. Has there been, okay. okay. I've had that happen to me and... <laughs> We used to live in this house in Roseland, Nebraska. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but that goes to, like, shop back. And one day I was up and I was vacuuming the cobwebs on the ceilings because we had these really huge ceilings. So I was standing on a chair and I'm vacuuming. I felt this burning thing on my leg and I'm like, what the heck? And I stopped and sure as cr- I had scratches. You know, and there wasn't nothing I think, but it just it literally felt like sting marks. Yeah. And they got real red and stuff and they disappeared after I don't know, a few hours, but it literally felt like something stung me and it was it was three clock marks and yeah, I'd never had that happen before. And stuff. And the only thing I can think of is it was that shop vac that ghost didn't like the shop vac for some reason. You know, if I was vacuuming the the hall, I kept getting this like rushing feeling at me and stuff. And two, you know, I thought, you know, shop vacs put out a whole bunch of like EMF and infrasound and stuff. But actually, what I think these scratches people get are, um, one time I was in a car and the lightning hit near this car. Okay. And I had the same kind of marks on me. They were kind of like these red streaks on my legs and yeah. stuff. And I'm thinking maybe it's some kind of static electricity charge from them. You know, if they're energy, if the spirit is energy, what if they're just like a burst of static electricity? And then, you know, maybe, and it's not actually a claw mark. It's just these red marks that end up okay. blowing up your leg and stuff. I mean, that's my theory. I I have no idea for sure. And, you know. So what is, as we, as we kind of, you know, come to a close, what, what was one of the most, uh, I guess, powerful, or, um, the, you know, with, with the most evidence, maybe the most frightening um, investigations that you ever participated in? Well, one time that, that spring wrench, that I wrote about it in one of my books and stuff and everything. We, we, my husband and I, it was like the year 2000 or 2001, I think it was. We took... Um, my kid, our kids down to Spring Ranch, we were going to, like, scare them, give them a spooky experience. Oh. Well, we had, show, <laughs> we had showed up after a thunderstorm down there. And it, the whole air of the place, the whole 
it just felt like static charge. It felt like something was in the air. And I remember we got out of the car and stuff, and we're all looking around and stuff. And uh, my husband and Chad, my son, they started to walk across this thing called Potterfield where there's unmarked graves. And they got clear across the thing. And uh, all of a sudden, I had this, like, vision, like, like, it was just like right there, like your fog. And it was it was a big old hearse horse, like pulling oh, a hearse one thing. I mean, you could hear that clip 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 clip, clip, clip and you could smell the like the the sweaty horse and the yeah, leather. Yeah. And my daughter's my daughter just all of a sudden flipped. She didn't see this, but she's like we got to leave and we got to leave now. And she got in the car and just started crying. So I'm like, okay, um, this is weird. Something weird going on. So I was like, Kurt, I ran us crying. We got to go. We've freaked her out. And so Kurt and my son start walking back across the field. My son also starts running. My husband looks down and uh, he said the ground looked like Little black snakes slithering through the, they were like foggy snakes slithering across oh the goodness. ground and stuff. And when he got back to the car, the whole tree line sounded like Fort Apache. It was like, woo, woo, woo. And it, it, this is at night. Birds don't do that. Right. <laughs> and it was like really weird. And we all like jumped in the car. And by this time, I'm pretty freaked out too. And we drive out of there. And we probably drive a good five miles till we get to like Highway 74. And they were like, what just happened? Right. That was just the craziest thing ever. Because you're the, when things like that happen, it, um, I don't know, your mind, it takes a little bit to process it. It did me anyway, you know, and stuff. And when we got home, we um, all gathered around the laptop, and I said, okay, we're going to see what's going on here. And so we punched in a, a spring ranch, Indians and stuff and right. everything. Come to find out in, like, 18... Oh, I think it was 1864, in August of 1864. I, I might be wrong on the date. There was an Indian massacre that oh same day God. that we were that, down there okay. a, a hundred and some years earlier. And Stephen, I don't know if that was it or, you know, there's more to the story, too, that we find out later about, you know, the... Elizabeth Taylor and John Jones that uh, were lynched yes. on the bridge there and stuff, and they're buried there at Spring Ranch. In fact, um, that picture of me, I'm leaning up against Elizabeth Taylor's grave. That's oh at goodness. Spring Ranch. And um, so I don't know if it had to do with that or it had to do with just being down there on the anniversary of Indian massacres and fights on the Little Blue River. I don't know. But, you know, but it was like, that was probably one of the most profound experiences I I had. Where I had, like, every, all, the, all the things happening and went somewhere. Everybody heard the Indians. Or the I don't know if they, I can't prove they were Indians. But whatever was in the tree line, we all heard it. Right. And it was it was not just one or two. It was like, it was loud. It was a bunch of them. It was like we were going to get attacked by Indians. And 
yeah, it sounds just like Fort Apache. But it was a very profound experience, and I've never had anything that intense before happen. I mean, where the feeling was, fight, like I said, fight or flight, you know, you had to get out of there. Oh, it's, it's terrifying. Yeah, wow. well, you just know you have to leave. You have to just go. And that was when it, it was weird that none of us say anything. My daughter didn't even cry. I mean, she was crying before we all got in the car. I don't remember her crying. I don't remember a peep out of anybody. Everybody was like this. My kids are probably like, we are never going with mom and dad again. <laughs> and stuff because, oh, my God. Like I said, we didn't even say anything until we got like to Highway 74 and then we just looked at each other. What just happened? Yeah. <laughs> what was oh that gosh. about? And my husband, he just says, he just said, I don't know what that was about. He said, Tita, tell me later though, had uh, the kids not been there, he would have ran back to the car too. Because he walked. So, he held his ground and walked back to the car. Okay. So that was the question I was going to ask. Are there any times, you know, because this was the, the flight response, but is there a time when it's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. And, um, and maybe it's when you're investigating or maybe when you're advocating for someone else, um, where you've clearly it's been uncomfortable, but you're, you've made the decision. No, I'm going to stay here. And and I don't want to say confront because that, that just doesn't sound like that's the right thing to do, but hold your ground, hold, hold your, your ground. ground. I guess, yeah. tell me about the a decision to hold your ground and then what happens? I mean, or what? What has happened? Well, I went, this happened here in town here. Um, It was that girl with the spirit boxes that I told you that. She dug all these boxes up in her yard. I remember that because the family was from Poland or what was it? And they were practicing. They were Santeria. It was a Mexican-American family and they practiced Santeria and they had buried these boxes with trees in the yard. And when she had moved into the house, yeah, these trees were like all like crazy. And she was like, why would they even plant a tree there? So they pulled up these trees, you know, and they were going to redo their yard. And they found all these boxes. And she never even thought anything about them. She opened them up to make sure they weren't like little animal coffins or whatever. But her kids were playing. There were beads in them, hair, right. all kinds of stuff. They scattered them all over the yard and everything. Well, when I went to cleanse that house, and stuff. I remember that day I was there. That that gal was there. Her sister was there. Her sister was sitting. She, the gal was out in the garage smoking a cigarette. Her sister was sitting in the in the house, and I was started to cleanse the house. Literally, that house moaned. It, 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 I'm not kidding you. One bit. I, I never ever have had it where I couldn't keep the sage lit. I, I it just kept dying. Except that gal's house and her mom's house too. It happened once before when I went and did their mom's house. Uh, the sage would just go out. You'd have that stick blowing. It just go right out. And um, I finally got it going and stuff. And the more I'd cleanse this house, this house would literally moan. It was just like, uh, it, have you ever been in an earthquake? Have you ever? I, I uh, haven't. No. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, 
I used to live in Los Angeles, and they'd have, like, these little earthquakes all the time. And the house would, like, moan, and we'd have an earthquake and move or shift or whatever. That's exactly what this house sounded like. It it, it moaned, and, and I told myself, okay, that's not normal. And I had this terrible, uneasy feeling, almost like something's, like, jitter 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 on you and and stuff and i told myself i cannot walk out and leave this gal right she's having all these problems you know and and stuff and so i cleansed the house and i and then then i had i went back again and the second time i cleansed the house it got better and the third time i cleansed the house it got better and stuff and the last time i cleansed the house i took my grandma's bible in there and i read bible verses in every room and stuff and everything because i figured out if i was going to take anybody with me i was going to take my grandma the the and i read verses in every room and i figured i was gonna have back up with her so you talked about things happening. So what was actually happening in the house? Well, the gal that lives there, she has gifts. And she will always live in a haunted house. You have haunted places. You have haunted people. She will always be haunted because she is a medium. Okay. She don't like to be a medium. She don't want to be a medium. But this is something she cannot just shut off. She will always have these problems. And she... She's such a nice, wonderful gal. I mean, she volunteers for stuff. And here she had volunteered to go out to this old cemetery at the asylum and clean and, and clean the weeds and stuff and yeah. take care of it. Yeah. Well, I think she brought home some crazy people because she started seeing them around her house. She had a man in the corner with a diaper on, an adult man. He would just sit there and huddle. And she had all these things happening. And then you have that lady that practiced Santeria in the house and and stuff. And, and the terrible thing is that I felt sorry about this gal is that she's always had these haunted problems. And when she, her and her her husband now bought this house. They asked the realtor, I want to make sure nobody has ever died in this house. Okay. And the realtor checks it out. Nobody has ever died in this house. She said, okay, we're going to buy this house. We didn't know that the person before it lived in the house was Santa Rita Witch and was conjuring up right. this thing and burying boxes right. in the yard. And, and, and yeah, I've kind of felt sorry for this gal. But like I said, she, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what house she's gonna live in. She's always gonna pick up ghosts because ghosts see her as a, a bright light in a vast darkness, and they they they're gonna come to her. You know, she's that kind of bright person, and she always will see ghosts and stuff. And I think she's accepted you now that. Um, She's not cursed, you know, or anything else. Right. It, it, right. It, it's a gift to some people and stuff. She just needs to tell the spirits, you need to leave. I cannot help you, you know. So it is, it is verbally doing that. So that, yeah. that's the advice that you're giving. Um, if, if somebody is, I guess, seeking they're not sure if something's happening to them or to their house. I mean, are, how do they find um, paranormal investigators? I mean, because you just don't look that up 
Uh, well, you can but, now anymore okay. yeah, you're, on the you're internet. Right, I guess with the internet. And what what would you advise um, if someone wants to genuinely? Um, uh, I guess how do you determine the credibility of a of a paranormal um, investigator if 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 you're contacting? How how tell me about that? Let's let's leave with that. Um. Lloyd Arbach has, uh, and, and I, in fact, I belong to his group, uh, Office of Paranormal Investigations. You can probably contact him, and he know, has a bunch of different groups, like, and they're called parapsychology, re, parapsychological research. So that's a big word for me right. to say. <laughs> anyway, it, um, he has a list, and he has people, like, all over the country and stuff that do things. He also has a fantastic um, foundation, and I got it right here. It's called the Forever Family Organ. It's, it's foreverfamily.org, okay. and they're 100% volunteer, and he's the president, and these are mediums. These are certified mediums. These are ones that have been tested by parapsychologists. And they volunteer their time to help people, families with grieving. And, um, in fact, their goal is to further the understanding of afterlife science through the research and education while providing support and healing for people in grieving. Yeah. You know, and you don't have to pay these people money. I mean, they do this volunteer and, and stuff, and they can help, you know, because sometimes people are haunted by a family member. A family member wants to get a message to them, and you can talk to them. Or if you need a paranormal investigation, you can check out your local paranormal investigator. So you, you can contact somebody like him, and they can set you, um, he can send you, the right direction towards a team that's close to you. Okay. And you can find him on Twitter or Facebook. Just in the last minute here, as you were talking about, um, you're working with people um, who are going through grieving. Is it grieving that brings in the the spirit connection? Is 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 that what you see a lot? You know, like I, I don't know. I mean, family or is is that you know someone? You said you you're helping people deal with the grieving process. I'm not helping. He helps people. I okay. I help people with their haunted problems. Uh, okay. uh, I help people that believe that they've been hexed by witches. Right. You know, I help people with that kind of problem and stuff. I took some of Lloyd Arbrock's classes, and I was totally amazed by uh, he had made this foundation and, uh, well, started this foundation and stuff of, of volunteer psychics and mediums and stuff that want to help people. You know, they don't want to profit. They want right. to help people. Right. And... Uh, that's why I kind of like support him because I'm all into that. And I don't charge people to help him because I can't, I can't guarantee you that I can get your ghost out of your house. Because for when we don't, nobody even knows what ghosts are for sure. 
Right. I mean, I have my idea that they're like conscious energy and stuff, but nobody knows for sure. And like what we talked before, you know, these people's portals and portals or whatever that they think they have in their house and stuff actually might be just stuff that is coming is their own minds creating. And you have to make sure that you're not encouraging somebody's mental illness for sure. Right. Oh, yeah. And Jeff, and yeah, I guess I, I do have one safety thing I, yeah, I yeah, like I pre- bring up for that. parents and stuff. And watch what your kids are watching on YouTube. You know, there's some pretty scary stuff on YouTube. I mean, literally... You have people that are showing you how to, like, big divic boxes, uh, mess with necromancy and stuff, uh, cast hexes on other people, uh, learn to do witch spells. We just had recently, uh, a cosmetic line was going to put out this, like, it was Sephora was going to put out this beginning witch kit, it had all these things in it and oh stuff. They, they basically took like portions of this person's spirituality and this one, and they boxed it up and they were going to sell beginning witch kits. Well, not all witches are good and right. not all witches are bad. Not all pagan religions are good and not all pagan religions are bad, but it's just like any other, you know, spirituality, religion, you have your good and your bad. And, uh, just, yeah, kids don't need to be casting spells on other little kids because they're pissed off because they're playing on a playground or whatever. Right. right. You know, they, so be watch what your kids are watching on YouTube. Pay attention, you know, because there is some scary stuff out there. So I have one question left and then one kind of self-awareness that you've, you've brought me to in the last few minutes. And, and the one question is, so how would somebody know if they have been hexed like, or a curse has been placed upon them by someone else? Um, how, how do you, yeah, know? Like, like, Bre- Brett Kavanaugh, for example, we've, we've oh, seen, yeah. I mean, but it could be anybody, but we, but we, you know, that's been, you know, someone, okay, we're going to have a hundred hexes placed upon you. How does somebody realize that they've been hexed? Well, if you go on to, I'll like the checklist of stuff like that. You can have a lot of the symptoms that are in haunting and cause depression. You relationships uh, with other people fall apart. Uh, unexplained mood swings and stuff. Um, there's a lot of different things. I mean, I helped a lady. I had wrote to you before i'd helped the lady she had bought these candles um off of sd and she bought them from a witch and stuff because they were supposed to have some kind of magical power i don't even remember what she bought it for i think it was money had to do with money or whatever but anyway that the gal uh it took her like a two or three months to get this candle or whatever. And she left this, this lady, this, this witch, a uh, really crappy review or something on the thing. When she said, well, she got this candle and she said she lit it and it smelled like cat pee. Yeah. Or urine and stuff. And 
And she said she started to have um, cure things in the house, and and uh, she said her plants started to die and and stuff in her house and and stuff. And when I went there, I said, "Well, let me see this candle." She still had part of it and stuff, and you could see something black in the center of it. And I'm like, "Well, let's let's see what's in this candle." And so I cut open this candle and everything. And there was this glob of black thing with pins stuck in it and stuff. And it was all like in the center. And I was like, wow. You know, I I mean, I think that you made an enemy with this like gal. Right. You know. And uh, I suggest you probably write her an apology. And... We'll try to take care of this. So I took this that I took this thing and I put it in a jar and folk magic. I took it to a crossroads, which is a which is a four way thing. Yes, yes. And I buried it. Okay. I buried it and I buried it with some and I put some sulfur and some black salt on it and I buried it. And I went back to her house. And I told her, I said, you need to take like a bath, take a bath with ground, ground salt. I put, I put some sea salt, take a bath with sea salt and stuff and um, wash yourself clean and everything. And then I helped her. We uh, wiped down her house. We took, um, I took like vinegar and I put some herbs in it. Well, it's called Four Thieves Vinegar. And and I put it on a rag and we wiped down most of the house and stuff. And then when she mopped her floor, we took lemons and we squeezed it in her water. Now, it changes the vibration of the house. I I don't know what it is. I I guess there's the saying cleansiness is next to godliness or whatever has has meaning, you know. And so we went through and we wiped down things and stuff, and it worked. It it worked for her. But be careful what you're buying from people, you know, and stuff. Um, Yeah. Just things like that can happen. And, uh, wow. So, yeah, well, I know. I don't know. No, I don't know if it was her guilt. Now, see, then you got to think too. Was it her? Just her guilt of writing this lady a bad review that brought badness on her? I don't know. You know, I meant. But I said whatever we did. We, I mean, I just know to do that in folk band. You just do that, you know, and and, and it worked for her. Um. So something that that I thought of in the last few minutes um, is trying to figure out in the last so I, my awareness you know increasing in the last few years like what what's corresponded to that has there been any event or anything like that and actually there is <laughs> that I didn't realize until something you had said about um, was it Lloyd with the healing of people mm-hmm. of people who are grieving um, I I volunteer but I I'm trained and um, about probably pretty close in timeline um, I'm a person that is contacted by the county by the sheriff's department when there's been um, a traumatic event for first responders like a drowning 
um, car accident, you know, something very, very, you know, with, with um, gruesome fatalities. And I'm one of the people who's been in, intensely trained and brought in to meet with the, the, the team when they come back to the firehouse or, you know, whatever it, it might be. And, and I, it, it's, it's ranged from, um, yeah, a, a, a drowning of a, of a young person um, to an accident on a ski hill of a, of a person in the medical field. Um, and, but it, when I went through the training, which was really intense, but the training, um, it, and I'm, I'm actually the only civilian it's probably because of the PhD and all of the research I've done, and and I was recommended by um, by a, a priest who's on the team to that they extend this training to. So, um, but it was at that time. So I work with people when they are they're most fragile. <laughs> I mean, it's literally uh, maybe the twenty year old firefighter who has taken this person out of they found them in the water as they were they're looking and they you know literally have have felt them with their feet as they've they've been walking through and they reach down and you know pick up this and and they talk about um the look on you know this this person's face that they brought up and as they're trying to resuscitate i mean it's just all of this and i'm leading everybody with somebody else but i mean this goes for hours these these go late into the night and they're they don't happen very frequently but when they happen i mean they're very very intense um and it can be everybody from doctors to nurses to the first it has to be somebody who's directly involved and impacted by this and of course it's always it always is a fatality or multiple fatalities um and so one of the things is like I, I always I can feel the weight of everybody coming into me <laughs> like and it's almost like I, I've never broken down, although like people will break down during this and then they'll they'll you'll you'll help build them back or else they'll be counselors to to bring them back. Um, but it was at that same time that I probably that's the starting point I, I think of this awareness i mean as as we've talked like that definitely has that's that timeline matches almost perfectly um so i i think the training and i think the exposure to people in these situations and the role that i play is probably directly sharpening those skills that i have and i'm definitely becoming better um at it like you know i can read everybody in the room i can in and i can know the follow-up questions to ask and it's it's so incredible too because you wear in this whole process i mean there's a certain way that you dress um that makes makes it less likely for people to remember who you are because when you interface with somebody in the community in a grocery line and they're ahead of you, you don't want them to turn around and say, oh, that was the person that debriefed me after, after yeah. the traumatic event. And I remember um, I was voting, like literally maybe a week after I had been in this this set, like seven-hour debriefing, which was completely exhausting. Um, and I went out for a late-night run, you know, maybe like two in the morning or something um, after that. And 
in the voting line, like next to me was one of the people who was significantly impacted by this traumatic event. And she was with other people and doing, you know, a smile and all of that. And, and I mean, these are just responders. These are people who, um, and she looked at me and she didn't recognize me and she, you know, just kept doing it. And I was like, this is wow. Like that is, I mean, this is a person, um, who cried, you know, in front of me for five hours, you know, with the group yeah. and things like that. And um, so anyway, I, I, I think as, as you talk about Lloyd and I need to look into that a little bit more, but I, I think I have an answer to why the, um, the awareness has increased. I think I purposely have increased it through the training and then through what I've been doing with people. Well, being imp- empathetic, you know, and and it's people yeah in it in it it is so draining as you know um, oh yeah it is it's completely fatiguing you can't talk about any of the specific things that that happen i mean that's you can you can you don't um but i remember so one person asked me why do you do this like why do you why do you do that and i said i do it because like if i didn't do it who would do it <laughs> i mean yeah it's just I'm good at it. I've I was a firefighter years ago, and I mean I'm I'm I said I'm I I feel like this is I need this is I'm capable of doing this, and um, but it is something too like when you leave you 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 just vanish like nobody knows who you are and and all of that. And you only rec- you know you announce yourself by your first name and things like that. But yeah, yeah. It takes a special person to to connect to somebody on that kind of level and stuff. Um, I'm a very introverted person, I guess that's what you call. I'm, I'm I kind of just prefer my own company and and stuff. And I I guess it, it's hard for me to to connect with people on that kind of level, I guess. And I, I kind of admire somebody who can do that. And everything because it's 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 hard. I I mean, I have I'm I'm yeah. I don't even go to funerals because I I it doesn't even matter if I know the people. I'll ball I'll ball like it was my best friend. Yeah. And stuff. And I I think I just I absorb everybody's grief, and and then you know it's like ah, uh, I'm like terrible in emergency situations because. I panic, you know, and stuff like that. I, it's I I admire people who can do that. Wow, it's you have a gift. Well, it's 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 something, and I I'm glad that I have it, and I appreciate it, and I I embrace it, and um, and I think it, it's serving me well. And I mean, I and I also feel like I think more settled, you know, just as as a person. Um, I don't. It's 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 amazing. Well, Eileen, again, how can people find out more about you and, again, your your book about the, the Axeman? Oh, the, the Pay the Piper. And then I have another one coming out. It's called My Haunted Journey of Nebraska. Yeah. It should be out, I'm hoping, by Halloween okay. and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, you can find me at, at Eileen. On Twitter, and, it, and my name is I L E A T A, and I'm on Facebook. Okay. Um, I don't, 
I'm working on um, putting together a Facebook page from the, my books. I'm just not very good with techie stuff. <laughs> now, your books are like on Amazon. You can find yep, your, your Amazon.com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, okay. Awesome. So I would recommend that to anyone and any shows that you've been on. I've, I've really enjoyed and we'll continue to, to locate those. And, uh, well, thank you. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.